0: Welcome back to Not Alone,
1: a podcast about faith and well-being. We're so glad you're listening. At some point in every person's life, there will be moments that are so heavy that you just can't keep calm and carry on, as the old saying goes. Whether it's stress, grief, or depression, we eventually have to find ways to cope. And there are lots of different coping mechanisms that people employ, including some that might actually be doing more harm to us on top of whatever it is we're experiencing. So, how do we form healthy and productive coping habits? To talk about this, here are Lindsey Geist, Michael McCord, and Evan DeYoung.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Not Alone podcast, the podcast that explores faith and well-being. I am Evan DeYoung, and I am here with my best friends on the planet Zoom, Michael and Lindsay. (laughs) Say hey to the people. We're
2: only your best friends on the planet Zoom? Like, not in Hmm. real life?
1: That's just, you know, my plans that I had in my mind have just been broken so okay okay
0: yeah it's all good I mean I'm having <laughs> trouble anchoring myself in reality these days uh everything's online everything's <clears throat> digital so uh here we are so you guys get to be I mean like that should mean something that you're my best friends of anything
1: it's true and and I had I just want to celebrate I had three count it three in-person meetings yesterday
2: that sounds both incredible and exhausting after mm. we hit. I mean, I'm used to living on planet Zoom.
1: Yeah, I know. It was. Uh, don't worry. Fear not. I also had Zoom meetings in between those from my car. So it was it was a full day yesterday. It was good. It's good.
0: Yeah, Michael was coming into the smooth four frames a second. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he was teleporting everywhere. He was like a superhero. <laughs> Well, everybody, thanks so much for taking the time to tune in once again. We're just thrilled to be back here on the back half of season three of the Not Alone podcast. This week, we are talking about specifically Bonnie Tyler and her song, Total Eclipse of the Heart, and what happens when everything falls apart. We're talking about coping skills today. Every now and then I fall apart. Come on, guys.
2: It, it would have been more helpful if you had uh, sung that sentence I think well, I don't know uh, what the
0: rights issues are. <laughs> That's
2: your concern.
0: You think I can, little old me, can stand up to the Bonnie Tyler legal team? <laughs> 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 There's only two things I'm afraid of in this world. Okay, one, my mom being mad, and two, Bonnie Tyler's attorneys.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, so a, a couple of episodes back, we talked about how much Lindsay hates New Year's resolutions, right? And then we talked about- Hate is of... a
2: strong word. I no, just no, 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 no. It I think it's slightly misguided.
1: If you, I'll, I'll, Michael, I'll rephrase if, Could we, Justin, could we go back and repeat-
2: <laughs> <laughs> My rant on it?
1: It was amazing. It was a four-minute solid rant on New Year's resolutions- during and that episode. A very
2: justified.
0: Oh. I mean, I it was good. It was a great rant.
2: Oh, goodness. I think this was, podcast it,
0: needs way it, more Lindsay rants. That's right. It's got plenty of Michael and Evan rants. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: sure. goodness. Okay. Sorry for interrupting. Go All ahead, right, Michael. So, so
1: we, we talked about the, uh, the challenges of, is that better? The challenges that New Year's resolutions present us. Uh-huh. And then we talked about accountability and how to hold ourselves and others accountable to things. And now we're talking about like when these things, because it's, it's it's now enough into the new year that it's likely most, if not all of us, have had some stumbles along the way with our commitments to ourselves this year, whether you call them New Year's resolutions or whatever you call them. Uh, I like
2: how you phrased it, our commitments to ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
2: <laughs> Just to try to make sure that you don't, you know trigger me again
1: <laughs> that's right i don't, I don't, we don't i'm don't. i not prepared <laughs> emotionally for another one but uh so so that's kind of what we're talking about today right like so what happens when these best laid plans that we had for ourselves uh just don't quite work out the way we thought they would
0: yeah every every day everyday coping skills i think is a is a big thing to revisit especially in the turn of a new year I think that this point, we've probably encountered some things where we realized it's not exactly what we thought it was going to be. It's not all peaches and cream. That's a phrase.
2: I, I know. I was never just... Ever
0: heard anyone use it in that?
2: Frame. In that context, but okay. but okay, keep going.
0: I'll Google while we do this. Hold on. I got... By the way... Never mind, I won't get on that. Uh, so...
2: <laughs> just keep going. <laughs>
0: That's what got me rolling today. They had me crying laughing in our pre-show meeting, so I I have yet to recover here. Uh, So I think it's probably wise for us to just revisit when we say coping skills or coping, what on earth that is and what we're talking about, because I don't think we should just trust that everybody knows what that is. So, I mean, we know what coping is most likely, but coping, what is it? What does it mean to you in general? And then we'll go from there.
2: Um, for me, coping skills are uh, the tools and strategies you would use to try to manage a situation and your feelings um, and behaviors in a situation. Um, coping skills uh, can be both uh, healthy or unhealthy. Uh, we do all sorts of things to attempt to protect ourselves um, and help ourselves navigate through a situation. Um, and like I said, sometimes they're healthy and sometimes they are unhealthy.
1: I'd like some examples of unhealthy coping skills.
0: Yeah, using analogies like peaches and cream. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's a music video. <laughs> I-
2: yes, correct. <laughs> I just pulled up
1: this. I just Googled peaches and cream and oh my gosh. Please don't do that. So maybe eating peaches and cream ice cream late at night because you're depressed. Is that, is that an example of like a, I mean, I guess that could be both good and bad, right? could be both healthy and unhealthy to have ice cream late at night. (laughs) Okay, yeah, no, I, we. I, I got to push the time out because Merriam-Webster, <laughs> I just about had a freak
0: out because I thought I said something bad. Not bad, but weird. I did say something weird. Peaches and cream has two definitions according to Webster. One, it's used to describe someone who has smooth and pale skin with light pink cheeks. So that was the only thing that showed up on a Google. And I was like, how did I get this so wrong? Definition two, chiefly in the United States a such situ- informal a situation process etc that has no trouble or problems
2: why is that the second
0: definition
2: <laughs> oh goodness uh oh, if this is our biggest concern we've also uh our biggest worry of the day that uh also says something yeah, about us does. today
0: <laughs> okay so now that i've coped with so, the fact that i made a blunder let's uh
2: So healthy coping skills versus unhealthy coping skills, um, an unhealthy one that you'll often hear, uh, and you can go back to one of our previous episodes about it, uh, alcohol consumption, um, that if you don't want to, uh, if the, if you're trying to avoid experiencing any feelings that you have, um, then you might drink too much, to just try to numb yourself out. Um, There's a lot of avoidance or escapism that can be an unhealthy coping skill uh, where you just kind of mentally run away from the situation or physically. I mean, like maybe you are somebody that just actually got up and ran away, but usually we escape mentally along the way. Um, Other unhealthy coping skills, um, binge eating. Uh, we often eat our feelings. So when we feel an intense feeling, uh, instead of sitting in it and naming it, uh, we might just eat to try to experience pleasure and redirect ourselves. Um, And another common unhealthy coping skill, uh, cutting that uh, to try to release some sort of pain. Um, There can be kind of lots of in-between unhealthy coping skills that may not be as intense of, okay, I'm just going to watch TV for hours on end instead of doing what I need to do. Um, I'm going to avoid connecting or talking to these people. Um, There can just be all sorts of stuff uh, that's kind of somewhat neutral, um, but building up over time can be more unhealthy for us.
1: So what I think is interesting about what you said, just as i picked up and help me if I'm correct me, if I'm misunderstanding this, but, but these things that we do to cope kit the, the, the activities themselves could, could be both normatively thought of as healthy or unhealthy. Right. So, mm-hmm. so for example, I know some people who, when they get anxious or, or, when they're upset, they just exercise like extensively.
2: Correct. And mm-hmm. and
1: exercise, right? We would think is a good healthy thing to do. But when it becomes that kind of coping skill that you over-exercise, that you mm-hmm. that you avoid doing the work or addressing things by by exercising, that that, that kind of response to stress can be unhealthy, even though the activity mm-hmm. itself. And and likewise, I think, uh, for example, uh, uh, drinking alcohol. I know some people like when when you have a, a glass of wine with your spouse at the end of a hard day. Like there's, it becomes like a ritual. It's a, it's a healthy. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a way that you cope uh, with what's happening in life, and you you kind of create this this. Um, it's it really becomes sort of sacramental in the sense that you you're sharing a drink, you're sharing food. So so there's this interesting thing that these things we do to cope. Uh, can have both healthy and unhealthy consequences no matter the root of the thing the practice itself
2: mm-hmm.
1: is that fair to say
2: i think that that's really fair to say yeah and where where those can go from healthy to unhealthy is even as you named it things that can be rituals uh when we stop thinking about the act uh that's where sometimes it can be challenging um that if we're not mindful anymore about having an end of day drink with somebody else, using that as, you know, your time to sit down and have a conversation um, and then you pour yourself another glass and maybe another glass because it's just out of habit. um, Then it's moved from ritual to being potentially unhealthy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think, Go ahead. Okay, I was just, what I was going to say, just just because we're on this, this topic, I think of, we developed a ritual, Emily and I, uh, with some friends when we experienced uh, a very sudden, very tragic death in, uh, in our friend group. And we were over at our friend's house after the funeral uh, in the evening, and they are big, very committed wine connoisseurs, the big wine cellar, and they brought out this really, wonderful bottle of wine and opened it well my mom (laughs) had recently baked us chocolate chip cookies and sent them with us she took care of the kids while we could go do this this funeral and uh and we sat there and ate this drank this really expensive bottle of wine together and ate chocolate chip cookies and now anytime we experience death we have a glass of wine and chocolate chip cookies as a way to remember Hmm. all these like people in our lives that are important and it's just I think it's just one of those like Mm. funny and at the same time really cool traditions that emerged out of just this spontaneous moment that we shared with our friends your finest Mm -hmm. tube of toll house
2: and I I think that coping skills it depends on what the purpose of utilizing the coping skill is Um, if it's attempting to avoid that's when it's probably uh more likely to be unhealthy um in the times that it um is helping you process something uh that can be healthier um so I think trying to figure out why you're doing what you're doing can help figure out if it's healthy or not
1: well, I think that's a really helpful because I think go back to exercise like I know I don't know myself I could not understand why someone would want to go run uh at any point in their life other than away <laughs> from something um, but some people I know, they just like, if they're under stress, they're just going to go take a run. They can work through that stress and come back and be able to focus again. Um, and that's the reason they do it. And then there are others who do it to excess, to avoid actually dealing with. So, so how you approach it, the the purpose behind it, maybe help you understand whether it's something that's a healthy practice or not a healthy practice. Is that mm-hmm. kind of what you're saying? No. Yeah. Okay. So, Okay, go ahead, Evan. No, you, you're on a roll. No, no. No, you...
0: Would the, if it builds on something, I don't want to interrupt. Yeah, build on it. Go. No, you're building on it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have a question. When I think of coping mechanisms and skills, and the way that it's always talked about, it is almost always around some kind of a large loss or change those kind of things that's how it's talked about so it's like a big cope are there like little copes like when like the mcdonald's ice cream machine is down and you had a long day and you were really looking forward to it like little things that go wrong or like your friend doesn't show up on time or like your podcast mates are 20 minutes late giving leaving (laughs) another meeting coming into another meeting with you like like, hypothetical uh,
1: scenario
0: Obviously, there's big copes, but are there little copes and are they the same? How do you deal with those?
1: I was thinking about that this morning, actually, doing homework with my son, who's seven, and him getting completely overwhelmed trying to, he's like, literally goes, Dad, I'm trying to eat breakfast and drink my water. And do homework all at the same time. I need some patience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that that is asking a lot. Of it him. is
1: it is it's a lot. There's a lot of multitasking for you know six o'clock in the morning with a seven year old. But um, but you know I, one of the I keep we keep going back to the take a deep breath, tell yourself everything's going to be okay, and then just start writing. And you'll be fine. And so that's like an example, I think. I just thought of it because of our episode today. I was thinking, there's an example of just one of those little micro coping skills Ooh, that can help put us back back on track.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that that's, that goes to what it's talking Because I think we talk about the big cope. Like what happens when you lose a family member or you have a breakup. But I just don't know how much little copes get talked about.
2: Well, in some ways, it's the difference between uh, if you if you ever kept, caught your toe on the sidewalk, wherever the sidewalk's raised, and you kind of tripped a little bit, and you don't ever fall, you just trip a little bit, and then kind of catch yourself again. Um, I think that is an example of when a small coping something has gone wrong and disrupted you and you have to refind your balance. Then there's the times that you straight up, I mean, it's a giant root, you fall down and on your face. And that's a total different kind of uh, everything tumbling apart. And so I think those are the two differences that we're really talking about here. What happens when you catch your toe and stumble a little bit? Versus when you fall flat on your face um, and need to check for broken bones and everything.
0: Do you guys ever spiral? Like maybe you and I'll I'll just be vulnerable here. Maybe you feel like you're like, oh, you know, things are going good today. And then you have like that catch your toe moment and you feel that kind of pitch forward and it kind of puts you off and then all of a sudden you just like it cascades down and you start thinking about all the other things that like you don't like you're like this isn't right and this isn't right and like I feel like it happens to me in the car a lot where I'm just kind of like because I'm by myself and it feels like a safe place for me to just be frustrated
1: yeah because there's like a, a whole myriad of things that happens to us all the time right I mean every day something goes wrong or many things go wrong uh, th- that we didn't plan on but in like a north normal healthy sort of place on we're able to just sort of we we cope with it automatically we it's you know, something like you you catch your you catch your foot on the curb and you yell a cuss word and you feel better you know and you're like oh it's okay i'm good but you gotta say mm-hmm. a cuss word i mean that's cuss words are, that's what they're for um not that i cuss but sinner <laughs> it, yeah <laughs> but any any word that has good consonant sound to it you just you know you <laughs> You do some, you do some kind of quick coping mechanism that's built into you and you move on. But when you're, <laughs> when you're. I'm just imagining Michael hitting his foot on the sidewalk and going, cluck! <laughs> <and>, Sauerkraut!
2: mean, <laughs> <laughs> that is some good consonants in there. <laughs>
1: right? Right. Sauerkraut's a great, that should be a cuss word because they take all the best. Listen, you, everyone at home research this. They take every single of the best consonants and turn them into cuss words. That's what it's all about. Because it they just feels... Think about... Yeah, think about all of them.
2: I will start trying to yell sauerkraut when right? something happens and see how I feel about it. <laughs>
1: That's right. Try. They'll, just, they'll just think you're, you're like a drunk German or something like that. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> SAUERKRAUT! <laughs> I think... Yeah, but, yeah go ahead. Uh, I mean, what we're really saying is it trying to figure out how to stop the spiral that happens for us when the smaller things, uh, start going wrong. And I think one of the first things we really need to do is just create a pause that we need to just take a moment and stop and then breathe. Uh, we seem to, uh, undervalue breathing, uh, <laughs> That we just need to pause, focus on breathing in and breathing out. And that already is slowing us down a little bit from going 100 miles an hour in our brains.
0: I'm going to do it right now. How do you do that when you don't want to do that in the moment?
2: Well, I mean, part of coping skills is doing things that we know that will make us healthier uh part of healthy coping skills is doing things that will make us healthier that we may or may not want to do i mean that's really what self care is about um it's not bubble baths and you know getting your nails done it's about doing things that keep you as a healthy human being so yes would it be it is
1: also about Things like bubble bass and massages. it can be it's-
2: um, but i think that we could spiral and sometimes that feels really good to just run down the rabbit hole um, and catastrophize and think of all the worst things that could happen and how much your life sucks and is terrible and everything goes wrong because it's you um i mean that's kind of the mantra that we all seem to carry in our heads And then uh, that only feels good so long. Um, So we can all do it once in a blue moon, but then we really have to pause and breathe if we want any chance of resetting. And then after we we pause and we breathe, then we have to feel which might be the hardest part.
1: Yeah. And I think that so, so Evan and I run a consulting group that, that really focuses on this idea of continuous improvement in organizations, trying to help organizations be better naturally by being curious and asking questions and, and, you know, realizing that organizations are not perfect, right. That, that, And even in the things organizations do, no matter how much effort they put into it, are not perfect. And that we have to be willing to change the way we do things if we want a different outcome. And thinking about this episode, how much of that kind of lays over into this idea of coping, because I think there's a lot of pressure on us, I should say, I'll use, there's pressure on me to feel like I've got to get everything right. And... You know particularly when you take on like let's say for example you decided you wanted to live a, a healthier lifestyle as a new year's commitment to yourself and then and, and you try to stay perfect you just stay out and then you make a mistake or it's not realistic like you you set a goal to get up and and exercise for an hour at 4 a.m before you have to leave for work and, and that's just non-sustainable it doesn't work right but then what what will happen is what what can happen is when when you fall off the wagon, you go into a spiral and say, Oh, see, you're a failure at everything you do, it's just never gonna be right. And and those are the moments where I think this idea that okay, let's stop. This isn't working. What what we what we attempted to do here is not working well for us, it's non-sustainable. Let me pause, take a deep breath, and then let me, let me assess and figure out what about this isn't sustainable? As opposed to saying, I'm not sustainable. Mm -hmm. I'm the problem. It's that this thing doesn't work. Four o'clock in the morning is not a a realistic thing for me to do. So what is realistic? And start to ask questions about what could I do that feels, what did I learn from this? What could I do that might keep me on this healthy path that I want to have for myself, but also be a little bit more, realistic in the life that I know I live and sort of that, that pausing and then taking in the data and kind of looking at it from an outsider and say, what about this is happening that I could, that maybe I could tweak a little bit to make it a little bit more easy for me or more realistic for me. Um, I think it's a really helpful process when those microaggressions, those micro moments start to add up and you just feel like, oh, I'm off and I can't do anything. Um, and I just go back to binge eating. (laughs) Which is what we all want to do, right? Just eat Krispy Kreme donuts every day. that be great?
2: I haven't had Jeez. a Krispy Kreme donut in so Jeez, long. Cheese,
0: man. <laughs> cheese? You can just have cheese. Oh, dude, I love cheese. I gotta buy the cheese that you have to cut or else it's just too easy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love that that's, that is helpful to you to make it uh, less easy. Oh uh, yeah, can slow down your cheese intake.
0: It's the only way you got to make it to where because so, you got to get out a plate, you got to get out a knife. You can't just rip open that package because otherwise, every time you go to the fridge, you're gonna eat a piece of cheese.
1: Does Velveeta count? Because I think you have to cut. Belvedo, That's cheese so. product. Oh.
0: It has cheese in the name. It counts. It counts.
2: Okay. So let's go back to what Michael was saying before we got on a cheese tangent or me dreaming of how much I'd want to eat a donut right now. Um, That we're, that we're pausing, we're breathing, we're letting ourselves feel something. And then in some ways, what we're saying is asking yourself kind of, what do I need in this moment? Mm -hmm.
1: What do I need? What, what, what exactly didn't work well? Because I think mm-hmm. that's the thing too. It's like, we generalize like, oh, I just can't work out. Like if we stick with that, like 4 a.m. workouts, like mm-hmm. I just I just can't work out. I can't, that's not me. Well, it may not be about working out. It may be about if we get up <laughs> to be at four. I know people have done this. So like, oh, you know, I have to leave for work at five. So I'm going to get up at four. I'm going to work out. Yeah, you know, no. Teachers like have to get up so early, no. you know, and, and they're like, it's just, I, don't, I hate working out. I can't work out. Well, it has nothing to do with the working out. It's really, You need more sleep, Mm -hmm. but you've got to sleep more. So understanding exactly what about the system isn't working as opposed to just declaring you're unable to do it. Yeah. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, I think I was looking at it from a different angle, but it's in generally pretty similar, two sides of the coin. What Mm -hmm. isn't working? um, Why is it not working? And what do you really need in that moment?
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Um that can make it work. And no. I I wonder how much permission we grant ourselves, uh, to stop something change direction or try something new.
1: I would hazard to guess not a lot. <laughs>
2: We've been doing this podcast long enough that you knew that the question that I asked, your, the answer was not going to be, we're great at this.
0: Uh, no. I I, no. That's part yeah. of what's tough to balance is one, we're not consistent. So I think there is, I'm just going to name some things. I think there's, and sometimes there's the illusion that if no one else was influencing us, that we would be perfectly consistent. I think that is one lie that we can tell ourselves that the only reason that things don't quite work out is because of something that someone else does, that it's never our fault, right? There's no ownership there. So think that's one, like, Oh, if such and such would have just not done this, then I would have been able to do this. So mm. if everybody would just agree with me and get out of the way, things would work out, right? That is probably a pretty negative behavior, but then there's the other side of it too where we have too much on ourselves, right? Like those seem to be the two extremes that I the only reason this isn't working out is because I can't get it together. And it I I don't know. I I think one thing that's interesting is that I find myself being both people in different situations and then in different seasons of life. And so it seems like when I get pretty good at not being too hard on myself, I get too external.
1: <laughs> like I'm, I, I I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's a natural go-to. it's a self-preservation kind of it's it's that fault. It's their fault. Um, or then even sort of a in between is if I just don't have enough time. If only I had this, I could do that. And so there's this like sort of internal, external, middle of the road kind of like limitation that's keeping us from being able to realize the thing that we want to do or be.
2: There's a lot of blaming that's happening. You either are externally blaming or internally blaming. Um, We like to have uh, something to point to. Not, Don't point at me.
0: Well, no, are you um, pointing at me or Lindsay? <laughs>
2: at both of us. Oh. Um, that I think that we believe that if we have something in particular to point to, then we can just uh, cha- fix it. Um, that we believe that we have like all this power to just fix everything. And I don't. I don't think we have that much power all the time. I mean, that's why we need to spend more time feeling and like sitting, just sitting in our feelings and pausing is because we can't always change a situation. Mm -hmm. We don't have that much control all the time. We can change components of a situation perhaps, but it can be hard to change the whole thing.
1: I think, I think it's especially hard to make really big change by yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. If, if, if it's all internal work, if you're all just sitting there trying to, you know, I want to be a healthier person, whatever that means. And you're just like, you're the only person that you tell that you're trying to do that. Um, it's a lot easier to get into the cycle of defeat. It's a lot easier to just quit um, and then believe that you can't do it as opposed to like partnering with somebody else or a group of people who are on that same journey together. Mm. So I think. And maybe that's a really helpful sort of generalized coping skill is, is don't try to do life by yourself. Like invite people into some of those spaces where you're really struggling, whether it's at work or personal life or spiritual life. It's like, how do you invite people into those places that, that are challenging? So you're not trying to, you know, our brains, we can sit there all day and process and feel and hurt and, and just get stuck in these cycles. But when you have to say it out loud and, and, and say it with somebody else and they say something back to you, then you really get to hear and kind of break that cycle that that exists sometimes in our heads.
0: Hmm. Kind of rob yourself of celebration too, which I think is important. I, I've been watching uh, m- more things about like like team sports and coaching and that kind of stuff. And I realized that I really miss being on like a team that has a goal that is not work or like critical life related. Hmm. Like I, I miss just having something to do because it's there to do. And that like working together with someone on anything and then getting to celebrate and have that kind of team accomplishment uh, I really miss I I mean you know whether it's rec sports or whatever something that doesn't have larger than life consequences but allows me to play out the different things that I'll deal with in real life is a really important part I think for me for like emotional and intellectual elasticity Um, and I've been missing that recently
2: I mean in essence what you're talking about is collaborative play that we just don't play well As adults. And so, if everything's not working perfectly, uh, we often equate that as failure. Or if everything's working great, it's success. We have this black and white dichotomous uh, belief that the world should be uh, rather than finding ways to be present and play in the middle space.
0: It is interesting because I find myself—I think my prayer life and my coping life are are fairly interconnected in that Mm. I only really think about coping when I need it, not really develop it before. And my tendency with with prayer a lot of the time is to only go to it when I don't have anything else. It's not not something that gets focused on until it's needed, which is really Mm -hmm. not— not conducive to being good at something, right? If you only ever go to it when you have to have it and there's no other option, you probably haven't Mm -hmm. developed it. I wonder what you guys have seen or what advice you would have for developing coping skills ahead of time. How do we practice in the moment when we don't need it rather than needing to be good at? I'll give this analogy. When I was a little kid, I swore up and down, because in TV shows and cartoons, people would hang off of a cliff, right? They'd be hanging by a hand, and they couldn't pull themselves up. And I said to myself, that will never be me. I will always have the strength to be able to pull myself up off a cliff. Because I thought it was going to happen more than often. I was like, I like, this off, is
2: such a kid Evan belief. If <laughs>
0: I fall off a cliff... It happens all the time. <laughs> right. Well, I didn't know. I had, uh, you know, like six months of cognitive life experience, so... Because anything before four, or whatever. So, what are those things that we can do? Like I did pull ups as a kid to make sure that I could pull myself up on a cliff. What are those things? Or building?
1: Don't want the the question I have before we get to your question is: Can you pull yourself off a cliff now? I could do it one time. Okay, That's
0: but I have had two shoulder surgeries now, which was a major blow.
2: To... <laughs> <laughs> so that made it. Less likely for you to pull yourself up or more likely for you to pull yourself up once you've had sol- shoulder surgery?
0: Uh, I would say the injury made it less likely. The surgery made it less likely for a while. And then I got back to it. But I could do it one time.
2: Well, that's all that will, will really matter, yes. won't it? What if it's slippery and I fall back
0: down? I need to be able to do it at least three times.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. But yeah. I also so realize your, now so what that was your that's question? not a common thing that's, that I need yeah. to be able to do. That's right.
0: That's right which is part of it. So that being said, what are those things that we can do preemptively to build our coping skills
1: before we need them? So very much about going back to this morning with with Austin and getting him to take a breath and getting him to say to himself, it's going to be okay, I've got this. Like when I think back to my childhood, I did not have that coping. I would freak out. Like I'd make a mistake on a test. I'd get anxious and overwhelmed. And then, and I'd be like, Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and so, you know, as, as a parent, what I, what I long to give my kids is are some of those micro coping skills that if they practice while they're doing their homework, when they're on their test, they'll be able to use it. And because they've been using it with their homework and their tests in school, when they approach something in life later on in life that is hard or they messed up on, they could, they'll just naturally without thinking about it, take a deep breath and say to themselves, it's okay, I can do this. Um, and give, just give that pause in their life. Cause I didn't have that. And I wish I, I wish I had had something like that.
2: I think about the tool that, uh, I often recommend in counseling sessions is practicing meditation. That meditation, if we are spiraling out of control and we just all of a sudden try to pause or force ourselves to pause. And, um, in that moment, uh, be able to take breaths and refocus our thoughts and everything. If we've never tried it before, That panic moment is not the time to try it. But if you have a meditation app and three times a week, you are listening to what it's telling you, you're taking, uh, you're trying to practice that skill of what is it like to bring myself uh, back to my body in the moment instead of my mind wandering. um, Then there is a greater chance that in a moment that you really need it, It is not a foreign skill. You have tried it several times when you have been calmer. I think that part of coping skills uh, is the practice portion of it. You want to practice it when you are in healthier spaces so that when you are in an unhealthy space and it is a lot less natural to use something, uh, you have something that's already a familiar rhythm.
1: Yeah, it's so much about like uh, spiritual practices, you, you've got things like meditation, centering prayer, those kinds of things, but also corporately, when we, so some traditions say together things like the Apostles Creed, which is sort of a statement of faith, uh, they might say um, the the Lord's Prayer every Sunday, um, a lot of times, in a lot of traditions, you sing the same songs across the year, multiple times, so, you, so they become ingrained in you, like, for example, Amazing Grace is one of those things that one of those hymns that just kind of sits in a lot of people's experiences and, and minds. And um, you know, that they are we do that not just because saying them is important together, but because you say them again and again, they stay with you. And so when you hit one of those moments where you need something to hold on to because it feels like everything is. Like you're on that cliff, that proverbial cliff, and you're just clenching the the dirt and it feels like you're losing grip. You have these like spiritual practices, scripture verses, uh, stories in the in in the biblical narrative that you could just like go back to and say, Oh, others have been here before. I'm not alone in this. God is with me, even though it feels like nobody is, and you're able to say the Lord's Prayer, or you or or um, you know, one of the other uh the Apostles' Creed or the you know all kinds of statements of faith. I, and I think specifically of my brother, my younger brother uh, was a marine, and he served in a couple of tours in the middle east and and faced some really difficult moments. And he would talk about how those ancient words that he'd said over and over as a kid in church were the things that came back to him in those moments of terror. and and fear and uncertainty, and um, and so those are also practices. Those kinds of things are also practices uh, that can help us when we need the help the most, and we don't have any anywhere to go but what we have in our in our hearts and our brains. I want to say one last thing because you stirred something in me, Evan. Uh, a, a memory actually from a meeting I just recently had. This idea of celebrating. I think part, part, half of what we, t- we most, we spent almost the entire time talking about how to help us when things don't go right. But the, the flip side of that is how do we, how do we celebrate when things do go right? Because if, if all we focus on is, is just figuring out how to cope when things don't go well, and we never take the moment to actually celebrate all the micro achievements we have in life, the good thing, the good moments, the, 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 the special moments we have with our kids or with our spouse or with our loved ones, those, those little moments that add up, those are those are like when you celebrate those, those become like, like fuel in your life that will get you when you feel like that will get you through those moments. They, they actually become coping um, fuel for those harder times in life. And I've realized that we probably spend less and less time, especially as adults. Um, you know, when you're a kid, you go to the bathroom, you are like, Oh, good job. You went to the bathroom. It's such a good job. Or, you know, there's lots of, they play athletics. They get lots of moments of celebration, but as you become an adult, it's, it's, it's increasingly less celebration about what you've done and what you've gotten through. And I was, I was in a meeting with somebody recently and I heard them say, uh, to someone, you know, I just, I just wish you would, you know, just recognize some of the work that I've done. And I just feel like you don't appreciate the things I've done. And the person responding was like, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, we, we haven't, we, we we love what you do. And, and they responded like, yeah, I just, I wish every once in a while you would just say it because we, we take for granted that people that we know are around people we work with We take it for granted that they know that we like them or that we appreciate them or that we celebrate the things they do and what they do matters. But it was a vivid reminder for me that we often don't take the time to do that. And those little words of celebration can mean everybody, everything for somebody. Uh, If you have that, an external person saying, thank you for doing what you're doing. You did a great job on that, that moment at work. You, you did such a Thanks for doing the dishes. Uh, Thanks for cleaning the house. Like, thanks for helping me, you know, make sure I got this done. All those little celebrations can be powerful tools to help that person cope with the harder things in life.
0: I say amen to that. Well, thank you, listener, for listening and for doing the dishes and for cleaning the house. And for being patient. Thank you, Michael, for covering your mouth while you prepare to sneeze. <laughs> thank you, Lindsay, for the free therapy. <laughs> I can't tell if Lindsay's frozen or if she's just really still. I think she's frozen.
1: Oh, she's frozen.
0: But it's a nice face. Yes.
1: Yeah, thank you, Justin. Justin for what you do to make this podcast a reality for us and be able to share our um, sometimes nonlinear thinking, mostly nonlinear thinking with the people who listen to us.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And thank you, Zoom, for making this. (laughs) No, we appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks Michael and Lindsay for friendship and for the conversation. We appreciate um, all the time that you give. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to uh, drop a comment or send us a text or ask us about the podcast. We really do appreciate that. And we hope that you are well. Um, We hope that you may have uh, great blessings as you continue to cope with the world around you and that coping is something that it's always going to be happening where there's never going to be situations in life where we don't have to cope. So uh, it's something that we might as well get used to and get good at. So um, looking forward to learning more about it and continuing on as we see you in our next episode. Bye, everybody. Have a great week.